this episode of What's the Hazard is being brought to you by these incredibly generous true believers in workplace safety and health. And I am truly grateful for their support. Custom Concrete Specialists, CCS Group, and Cheyenne Wolford. My buddy Jim Cover down at the Nebraska Department of Labor on-site consultation group. Jim and all of his consultants. John Falowich and Falowich Construction Services. And our latest sponsor, Building Omaha. Building Omaha is a partnership between the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, the IBEW, and the National Electrical Contractors Association, NECA. They pair highly trained electrical professionals with industry contractors to ensure they're able to serve customers safely and effectively. Building Omaha, the partnership that powers our city. Learn more at buildingomaha.org. Thank you all. We appreciate your support. All right, now let's get into this episode. Uh, This is Doug Fletcher, and you are listening to What's the Hazard? It is Friday, October 22nd. I'm sitting here with my buddy Ian Poole of Flagship Safety, uh, an OSHA insider, and we're going to talk a little bit about OSHA today. I know uh, most of you are interested in some of the dirty laundry and some of the things that we share, um, public and perhaps private, about OSHA. And so um, thanks for coming in, man. Yeah, glad to be here again on a on a Friday. <laughs> it is Friday, so, right? It's October. Holy cow. Finally feels like fall. Yes, it, so. it does. Actually, it was a little cold this morning. I usually take the dog out in you know what's left of my pajamas when I get up in the morning. You know, I'm a I'm a sweaty hot sleeper if that if I can say that. So <laughs> typically, I'm losing some you know over the course of the evening or the, over the night, and I get up and then just take the dog out, and it was colder than crap this morning. I have to be honest with you, man. I ran into the house, put on a sweatshirt, and um, you know appropriate pants, and he had to wait. So it it is fall, although I'm looking out the window here and we have a beautiful view. The trees are turning. This is gorgeous, man. So luckily my dog knows not to bother me until I get up. (laughs) I don't don't know how I got that lucky, but. Well, you have good children, good dog. Everything's going your way, man. (laughs) That's not, not so in my world, Uh, but, um, what's new? Anything? How you've been working or, uh, you know, I, I, uh, did a little bit of training a couple weeks ago Yeah, and then that um, went well. Yeah. I, so, interestingly enough, and it's not a new topic, but, you know, a couple companies have been wanting to know about hazardous waste and mm-hmm. HazCom. I think uh, I think there, that's a topic that there's a lot of misconceptions about. Um, you know, employers are never quite sure what to do when it comes to HazCom. And, um, you know, I tra- agree. Training is key. So, yeah. Uh, and then I this was interesting. I did my first um, – presentation to a group about the new emergency temporary standard for COVID-19 so Mm. um it was it was uh that was with the Iowa Rural Association of Health Healthcare so it's a group that focuses on rural health across the state of Iowa nonprofit group and uh, a lot of care providers out there in these smaller communities and towns aren't really sure what to do when it comes to the new COVID standard sure so absolutely are you've been paying attention I have almost tuned that out. I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, and I, uh, I did for the longest time, you know. But um, when when a need arises, uh, you know, I I dove into it, and you know, it's once you dive into it, and if you have any familiarity with OSHA's other expanded health standards, it's pretty straightforward to follow. Okay, good. But, well, when I do get those requests, I'm going to forward them to you, man. Because, <laughs> there you uh, go. I, I just don't go. have it left in me to even go back through yeah, that stuff. Yeah. I don't think. Well, today I'd like to talk a little bit more about OSHA. You know, you and I and you and Mikey and I have talked a little bit about OSHA in the past. I think it's always interesting stuff. Um, I personally enjoy talking about OSHA. Um, And so um, I think for the most part, audience members are interested in the inspection process. You know, they need to know or want to know what they need to be doing to prepare, Mm -hmm. how the process actually works. So let's just jump into that. Um, I'm going to start off with an, actually a question. And as everyone can tell, I wrote stuff down today, and I'm having a hell of a time getting through it. <laughs> I am much better when I'm just, you know, freelancing, just kind of that uh, stream of consciousness stuff. So if, if it sounds like I'm reading, it's because I'm reading, and that is, uh, it's, it's belabored for me. So, um, But I do want to start with this question. What would people be surprised to know about OSHA? If you were going to share something that might not be found in the All About OSHA manual, what 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 could you tell them in, I guess, in good conscience? Uh, well, you know, when a compliance officer comes out to your site, they don't know everything. 
you know, I think a lot of times people think, well, they're OSHA. They must know everything there is to know about safety, but uh, none of us know everything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a good point. um, And so what is that? So what does that mean with respect to the inspection itself? Ask questions. Don't always take what they say as gospel. I mean, what what does that translate to? And, and, you know, I I always – I always gave sort of disclaimer when, whenever I'd give quote advice to employers, you know, I said, Hey, you know, this is my opinion or my thought about this situation or this particular hazard or this equipment we're looking at. But, um, you know, I'm not always going to be a hundred percent familiar with everything. So mm-hmm. I'm just giving you my initial thought of what I think you should do. But, uh, you know, definitely it's something that could take some follow up. So, um, but, yeah, you know, I think a good compliance officer will sort of take that cautious approach, but um, should should take should. that cautious <laughs> approach. So, you know, that's an interesting point, man. So, if you are an employer and you have a compliance officer coming to your facility or onto your site, and they are walking around, they're making comments. Yeah, um, you're probably you should be taking some notes about Indeed. these things. Obviously, yeah. do you have to do something immediately in response to their comment? What's What's the expectation, well, or should you? you know, I, I think that's an uh, opportunity where the compliance officer might open the door for an opportunity there. You know, maybe they point something out, and maybe they don't say, hey, you got to fix this right away. That that might be something where the employer could jump in and say, hey, you know, um, I, I was you, you brought this up, and uh, I, I want to make sure that my employees are safe, and if there's anything, you know, you see that's immediate hazard, let me know, and we'll see if we can fix it. You know, um, that's sort of taking the quick fix approach mm-hmm. to things. Mm-hmm. Uh, OSHA probably isn't going to just ignore it after that, but they may give you an uh, opportunity to show some good faith mm-hmm. that, that you're willing to correct some things. Well, that's definitely good faith, and, and that goes into the calculation. I don't know if people are aware of yeah. that, but there is a component of good faith that goes into the penalty reduction consideration. It is. Uh, unfortunately, it's kind of a minimal percentage. <laughs> right. I believe it's in the 10 to 15% range. You know, right. But, um, well, hey, man, that could make the difference in a few thousand bucks at oh, some yeah, point, yeah. you know. And, and I always, I mean, if it's an easy fix, you know, we're not making a capital improvement necessarily, but if it's just, hey, pick up that damaged cord yeah, or, you know, close that open guard cat, whatever it might be, just do it. I mean, I don't think it's an admission of guilt necessarily, or you're not, uh, you know, you're not really putting yourself at risk necessarily no, by doing no. those things. So why wouldn't you? Yeah, I think. Um, and and I think it just it it could speak to your safety culture. You know, you're leaving that impression with that compliance officer that hey hey these guys do have kind of an active approach to safety here. They're not just reactive, even though maybe I discovered it first during my walk around but you know who who's to say you know from the employer standpoint well maybe that's the first time we noticed that hazard right. you know and that's <laughs> been a, that could be legitimate frankly yeah, yeah. The, the, the hazard could have just appeared i mean it yeah. could have just resulted that day or since their last walk around yeah possible I've, I've seen those circumstances and, and i think that's why uh employers should should be open to sort of those quick fixes you're not admitting guilt because even though maybe OSHA's documented a hazard, um, they still have the burden of proof to support a citation. You know, we get into employer knowledge, uh, employee exposure, and you bring up those things. How long has it been there? Did it just pop up today? Mm-hmm. Who even knew about it? Mm-hmm. So so I, it's never a bad idea to take that proactive approach and, and address items as, as they, they come up during a, a walk around. So yeah, I would agree. Don't, don't argue. I guess that'd be my best advice is don't argue. Yeah. I mean, unless I mean, it's you, really, you got, you gotta, you gotta make your, your point on some things, but, but you know, I, I'd say, when I say don't argue, don't, don't get into a shouting match. About mm-hmm. it. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, don't, don't make it a, a game of egos out there, which that's um, a good point. We, we know a few uh, OSHA people that, have an ego problem <laughs> of course <laughs> hey, hey man yeah Mo- I mean, most of them though most most people are pretty straightforward and if you are in discussion mode that's pretty easily tolerant i mean yes i was very tolerant of that because as you mentioned in the very beginning look 
you know, I was in a grain elevator on Tuesday. I was in a nursing home Wednesday. I was in a metal fabrication shop Thursday. I was on a construction site Friday. Yeah. I don't know all that shit. Yeah. I mean, I spent almost 20 years with OSHA, and I was only really comfortable in a few industries, frankly. Most of them I was just walking around yeah. hoping I could find an, un, you know, a poorly adjusted grinder or something, <laughs> you know. I mean, you know that, you know, it's tough, man. So yeah. if – if the compliance officer is talking about something and, and really has, you know, no level of certainty about it, have the discussion. But you're right. The minute you start jumping their shit, um, that's bullshit. I'm not, you know, or whatever. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That, yeah. that just really spirals out of control. It's not a good approach, I don't think. You know, I can remember one time I was given a presentation. Ben Bear was the area director at the time. Who Ben was the area director in Omaha for many, many years. And... I was talking about OSHA inspections, maybe over at the safety council or something, and I mentioned, you know, hey, just treat the compliance officer professionally, you know, and everything will typically go fairly smoothly, you know. I mean, you don't have to be their best friend, but I think that adversarial approach rarely works well. And, man, I got my ass chewed out when I got back to the office. Mm. You know, Ben had sat through that presentation, and he's like, you can't tell them that. They can treat us any way they want to, and they're <laughs> going to get the same inspection. And I just thought to myself, you can't honestly believe that, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe that's what it says somewhere in some archived document, but I didn't believe that, you know? So, you know, the personal affronts probably should be saved to the well, bitter end if necessary. It, it, it's human nature. I mean, yes, uh, if you look at professional standards for a compliance officer, they, they need to put all personal feelings aside and focus on the job. Mm -hmm. But, you know... Uh, it bodes well for the employer if they show they're being cooperative, you know, reasonably cooperative during mm -hmm. the inspection. So, agreed. Um, yeah, I, I get what Ben's saying. They're going to get the same inspection no matter how they treat you. But if you treat the compliance officer well and are showcasing your safety and health program, mm -hmm. it plays into that that um, that good faith that we talked about. Yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> Well, I used to, you know, and maybe maybe I was the outlier, maybe I was the exception, but, and I'm a I'm I'm a guy who, you know, I'm a get along kind of guy, you know. I, I'm not a confrontationalist, you know. I try to I'm a people pleaser by nature, you know. So I was always trying to be, you know, um, humble and, you know, cooperative from my perspective as the OSHA compliance person. Yeah. But if I got attacked, you know, verbally or otherwise. You know, I would respond, you know, in kind, typically with, you know, I used to say that I will give you the full benefit of all my years of training, you know, or whatever that might be. That's, and a, good, so, that's a good line. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, I mean, it was just like, I might look a little more closely if you're being overly aggressive, you know. It's one thing to ask questions and try to get clarification. It's another thing to call me a dick and start, you know, yeah, making fun of my children, you know, which... I'll be the one that takes care of that, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it was it was interesting. Well, let's get to the let's get to the action. I mean, we know that you and I would both recommend, hey, you need to implement an effective safety and health program. Yeah. That's really what you should be doing before OSHA ever shows up. If OSHA shows up and then you try to implement your program, it's right. not going to go particularly well. Yeah, I think the biggest key there is documentation. OSHA's always going to want documentation of your safety and health program. And they want current documentation. They, they don't want something that's, yeah, we implemented this five years ago. Mm -hmm. Haven't looked yeah. at it since, but we've got yeah. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, keeping things handy like your annual evaluation of the lockout-tagout program, that's a big one. Mm -hmm. um, having those forklift training documentation within the last three years on the ready and go, you know, mm -hmm. that, that mm -hmm. those are always the things that – that, at least when I was compliance officer, I told every inspection you're going to ask about HASCOM, you're going to ask about lockout tagout, you're going to ask about forklifts, you know, uh, and, and those were the, the three big things. Um, you know, other things like uh, emergency response programs, they, they have to have two, but at, when we're talking about current documentation, those are the main things, and, and then your, your PPE assessment and, of course, your your records for injury and illness, five years worth of those. So mm -hmm. I, I would almost say, you know, you got a place where you keep all your safety records, but maybe those ones should be right there in the front of the file drawer. 
That's a great point. So I, I would agree. And I think what you said something there that was really important, availability. Yes. If I went to make an inspection and I'm interacting with the plant manager or whomever, the superintendent of that job, and they have no idea where any of these records are kept or they have yeah. no, well, I don't, you know, my safety guy is out of town and I don't know where we, man, that, that goes badly. Yeah. You know, it, it needs to be available. It, as you said, it needs to be current and updated. And those are kind of, I was going to ask you about red flags. You know, when you show up on a job site, what kind of things throw up red flags that it's not going to go well? That, that is one of them. If you have no idea where any of this stuff yeah. is or how, where it's kept. You know, I, I, I've been thinking about that and, and, and something that always comes to mind. And this really has nothing to do with any particular OSHA standard. Well, there is a standard that addresses this, but good lighting. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times did you go and do an inspection and it was just like a literal shithole and it was like a dark cave in there? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But you go, but then like you'd be at some other place and they got nice bright lighting in the facility. You can see everything clearly. It, it, it always just made the facility seem much more like clean and mm-hmm. much more like laid out. And it, something about having a well-lit facility, it just left this impression that's like, hey, you know, this is actually a halfway decent place. Yeah, that's a great comment, man. A great comment. Because I was in a place recently, the lighting was a little dingy, that, you know, that kind of that sodium mm-hmm. vapor lighting yeah. over that yellowy kind of tint. Yeah. And it looks shitty, you know, yeah. and it looks yeah. dangerous, frankly. Yeah. I, I don't know how an employee could be excited to come into a workplace like right? that. So my, my red flags were always housekeeping and lighting. Yeah. And there's not a not a lot on either one of those, frankly. You know, no lengthy OSHA regulations that describe them. There are little references to yeah. housekeeping here and there or lighting, but not a lot of it. But it it makes a big impression on me. I, I had one. I, w- I went into a facility one time. It was a complaint, and um, I went in the front door to the main entrance. You know, kind of the reception area. And the front door was being held open by a fire extinguisher. <laughs> you know, that was the door jam of sorts. And I, and, and then that kind of threw up a little red flag. I was like, oh, crap, here we go. You know, <laughs> I, I could have gotten my three violations in the entryway. Oh, wow. You know, and uh, I was not one to just go out with the intention of getting my 2.6 violations right. per inspection. But when they're right there, and I haven't even gone into the plant, you know, it, it sends a bad message. Yeah. Know? So... I thought that was interesting. Well, let's talk. Let's get to the opening conference. Okay. Um, wh- what what should an employer know about the opening conference? What the, can they do to make it go more smoothly? What you know? What's your advice on the opening conference? Or just even describe what it is. Maybe some folks so, don't know. So you know, the opening conference. It's every inspection supposed to start with the opening conference. Now, you know, depending on your industry, you know. Con- construct if you're construction versus general industry you know construction sometimes it's a mixture of walk around opening conference at the same time just because you don't really have like this nice little lobby to sit the compliance officer down in and you know compliance officer walks off the street says holy crap there's no guarding on that scaffold over there and employees are working 30 feet up they're going to immediately address the hazard and Mm -hmm. say who's in charge i need to talk to them Mm -hmm. uh versus you know general industry um, you know, OSHA's, it's OSHA's opportunity to explain to the employer, it's a requirement to explain to the employer why they are there to do the inspection. What are they going to look at? So um, it, an employer should keep that in mind. You know, it, a compliance officer should be explaining, you know, is this a partial inspection or a full scope inspection? Yeah, what legal grounds do they have to yeah. be there? I mean, yeah. why are they there? Is it an unprogrammed inspection that came about from an injury report or an employee complaint or maybe a referral from another agency mm-hmm. versus a programmed inspection where you got the unlucky number and were selected off of a list? Mm-hmm. And and if um, and also is this going to be? A safety inspection or a health inspection? You know, did, did they send out a safety compliance officer and industrial hygienist? Um, you know, I, I did both. Uh, I, usually I, I, I find that, you know, the, the safety inspection, even, even a comprehensive safety inspection is not going to cover as much scope as a comprehensive health inspection. So mm-hmm. I, there's always sort of what I was told is like, well, safeties can do safety inspections, but health 
will do both. They'll mm-hmm. do safety and yep, health. Exactly. I remember so, those days, man. So you're gonna so you're gonna be looking at all the safety stuff and the health stuff and right. it's comprehensive health inspection. Right. Um you know, we used to do those jointly. I don't know if you did you guys do them jointly when you were a compliance officer or was that yeah, it was infrequent? It, it was by that point it was pretty infrequent because you know, at times we were down to like five five or six compliance officers. Mm-hmm. So we, we just didn't really have the resources. Yeah. Sometimes if there was a new uh employee that was getting trained, a new compliance officer, then we might do that. Well, hey, I gotta take this guy out anyway, so we're gonna get two num we called inspections numbers. We're gonna mm-hmm. get two numbers out of this. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get a safety and a health. That's interesting. Yeah, so you know, yeah, then, we gotta get a number. And then and then sometimes like you'd have like nothing on the safety side, so the IH would throw the safety a bone and see. <laughs> Are you right, you you're right, you're right up. up this HASCOM labeling violation. Right, so we don't have any compliances. <laughs> yeah, or something. yeah. That's, you know, that that's funny. That that might fall under that what would people be surprised to know category. Yeah, yeah. Hey, guys, I want to do a small business spotlight for you. Um, we have been working recently with a company called Wicked OSHA. Uh, Brent Colvin and his team have come up with a really useful solution for safety and health management for small contractors. Uh, it is an app-based system that helps you develop and manage your safety programs, your training, your documentation. I know this is incredibly challenging for small businesses like roofing contractors, small specialty trade contractors, and frankly, anybody that has a mobile workforce, I think this would be incredibly useful. So go check out Wicked OSHA. It's at wickedosha.com and see if this might be something that you would be willing to give a shot. I think there is a free trial opportunity. And so um, in, in what I've seen of it, I think this is going to be incredibly useful. So go take a look at it. But when I started, um, I was fortunate because we had a pretty full staff. And so I got to a company like Darwin yeah. or Frank Winningham. Um, safeties, very knowledgeable safeties. Chester Young. Uh, I would go out with them and I, would do, I, w- I was trained as an IH. I was hired as an IH. So I learned safety by basically watching these guys. You know, I didn't know a lot about some of the safety regulations until I spent five years watching Darwin work or something. And actually, that was probably the best education that I could have gotten with regard to safety regulations. Frank and Darwin were really knowledgeable guys. And, you know, so that that was helpful. And we were out there getting two numbers because, you know, mm-hmm. they'd send us out together. Um, that ended, you know, fairly shortly after, you know, I probably spent three or four years in the field and then that kind of went away. Yeah. I think more from resource, you know, it was difficult to commit two people to a facility when yeah. we had to get 10 inspections that week. Well, not not to freak anybody out, but, um, you know, sometimes if it's if OSHA got the, the notion that this is going to be a significant case, that, that means it's a high-dollar penalty. Uh, used, significant case used to be anything over 100000 but now it's like, I, I don't know. I, I I wrote the the dang memo when I was in DC to revise that, and I don't even I don't even know the number now. It's like somewhere up around a quarter million dollars is a SIG case now. Yeah, I don't even know so, either, man. So not not the freaking employer just because two compliance officers show up at your door that doesn't necessarily mean you're you're going down yeah. that territory. But right. sometimes you know OSHA would like if it was a fatality or something else like that, and and if if it's something that they thought. Well, you know, there might be extra legal scrutiny on this, so we're going to send two two sets mm-hmm. of eyes out mm-hmm. there. So, and you know, interestingly, it does make the process a little easier, particularly during the interviews and things yeah. like that. If you have, you know, one person leading the interview, and then the second person might, you know, be able to uh, identify where maybe there's a gap that needs to be filled in or something, or oh, help yeah. you know take better notes. I we record everything now, or they do. But you know, back when you I was know, doing it, we wrote it with a quill and ink you and know? that's very funny that uh that really depends on osha's region if if they do recorded interviews or not mm-hmm. when i was out in region three that scared the solicitors away to do recorded really? interviews when i was in region seven the solicitors wanted recorded. they wanted recorded so yeah it's just isn't that interesting yeah i know that what other differences were there between three and seven other than maybe like these general psychosis in region seven perhaps but <laughs> well you said you didn't do uh planning meetings on monday morning in region three uh, not not so much we, we we did not do those so region seven you know this has been going on since the chuck atkin days mm-hmm. was there a was there a uh 
Was there an RA before Chuck and Reed and Seven? <laughs> there was. Yeah, there was. But I think Carmen Barone, maybe, okay, or somebody, maybe. Okay. Or I, I don't know the name, but I mean, Chuck, Chuck was the RA the whole time I was there yeah, until Chuck, Marsha Chuck took over. Chuck worked for OSHA until his 80s, you know. I mm-hmm. remember he came into the office one day. Oh, here's a funny thing. I'm sure we have some Chuck stories. But, mm-hmm. but so, yeah, Chuck Atkins, one of these regional teleconference meetings every Monday morning and go around all the area offices log on. It was like an all hands meeting, every compliance officer, every admin, every area mm-hmm. director, all call in and go around office to office, what's going on. And then usually there'd be like 30 minutes where we're all just getting lectured by the region about <laughs> this is going on. Right. Loved it. Some, you know, they could have cut out like half of that. They could have made it like a 15 minute meeting. You know, the, the most I got out of those meetings was other area offices. Hey, we had this interesting inspection, mm-hmm. or we had this fatality that happened. Which that that was the pertinent stuff. Would everything, be a great use of the meeting, actually. Yeah. Everything else could have gone out in a memo or an email mm-hmm. or something. But, yeah. No, that was right. I but, remember we used to get like Chuck, a printout. Yeah. Of all of the metrics. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but Chuck, uh, you know, every like once a year he'd he'd want to visit all the different area offices which is a good thing to do if you're the regional administrator um, so he would host a uh a a meeting you know the monday meeting from one of the different area offices throughout region 7 and you know he'd drive down there and i remember Judy Freeman was the area director when i was in Wichita for the whole entire time um and she had been with the agency almost as long as Chuck had she started in like 71 mhm Said she arrived with the furniture. That's what she mm, told me. Right. But so so Chuck was up there by this point. He was about I think he might have been eighty by this point. It was like in his last couple of years before he retired. But uh he said he was gonna come to Wichita, you know. He had it on the calendar and everything. It was Wichita's turn to host, so I just remembered Judy always when Chuck would come visit would have bagels and bananas for Chuck because that's what <laughs> that's what he liked. Needed some potassium apparently. Yeah, and then so Monday morning rolls around. Judy's got all the spread laid out, the cream cheeses and the bagels and a couple bunches of bananas, and it's like nine o'clock. It's time to get on the call. There's no Chuck. Where's Chuck? And then well, we got to call in. You know, it's the with with or without Chuck. And then we get on and. We hear Chuck's always, good morning from St. Louis. <laughs> I said, were they surprised when he showed up at their, <laughs> you know? Right. I'm did, sure they did he Bill make, was. Did he make a wrong turn somewhere on his right. way? <laughs> Turned the wrong way on 70 and ended up I in the d- wrong place. I just I just wondered about that. I remember Chuck would come to Omaha periodically and do the same thing. Yeah, and yeah. I can remember we would be on the Friday before, you know, Chuck's Monday morning arrival, we would be lectured on our clothing attire mm-hmm. or attire and stuff you know no hey, jeans absolutely no yeah jeans. no jeans don't wear that crappy shirt you always wear fletcher or i don't care if you got to go to a muddy construction site after this you will wear a pressed pair of pants that's right <laughs> we were always like oh chuck's coming oh man and chuck was a nice guy yeah i never personally had any issues with him I, he didn't know who i was frankly i think he called me don all the time oh. or something you know <laughs> so it was no big deal you know I, I didn't fear chuck because i was so far down the pecking order that you know, I yeah. wasn't even within his scope of, uh, you know, but man, when he showed up, everything changed, you know, that same thing like you're describing with Judy, we would, every, mm-hmm. everybody would be on their best behavior. Yep. We would drop a lot of the F-bombs would like disappear <laughs> during the planning meeting and stuff, you know, so, well, let's, so getting back to the opening conference, um, the compliance officer is going to introduce themselves, show credentials, you know, hopefully you should request Yep. The opportunity to see the credentials and yes. then describe what they're there for, the scope, the, you know, their intent, you know, what they're going to do. You, I, I don't know that everyone is aware of this, but you have an opportunity to either, you know, uh, accept the inspection or refuse the inspection. This is something mm-hmm. that um, perhaps not everyone is aware of, but OSHA doesn't really have the authority just to force their way into your facility or onto your site Correct. necessarily. And so talk a little bit about, uh, the compulsory process, warrants and things like that, you know. And is there ever a time where you think uh, requesting a warrant is appropriate for a for an employee? You're a consultant yeah. now, man. Do you? Well, you know give that, that that's advice? that that's really hard, you know, um, to decide, make that decision. Hey, you know, I just 
OSHA just has no right to be here. You know, that, 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 that's a very hard burden of proof for the employer. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been, in my experience, relatively easy for OSHA to get a warrant. Mm-hmm. Almost too easy. Yeah, you know? mine, mine as well. Um, it, and some companies, you know, I, I remember when I was down in Kansas, there was one particular construction company that, um, hey, we, OSHA knew, hey, they're going to request a warrant. Uh, you know, and we'd go there. We'd try to do the opening conference. They no, you need to get a warrant. And why? Well, that's our company policy. And kind of gets back to that comment by Ben Bear. you know, they should get the same inspection. Just because they requested a warrant, they should get the same inspection. Um, mm-hmm. Which is their right. I yeah. mean, this is a Fourth Amendment and, issue, right, or something? Yeah. I mean. And, and it's, uh, and, you know, those types of inspections usually – most of the time we were on their job site wasn't because of a complaint or anything else. It's usually because they popped up on the dodge list. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, what are you here for? Well, you're on the list. Okay, go get a warrant. You know, mm-hmm. or if you have a reason to be here, show it to me. Yeah, yeah. And that that was their policy. Um, and, you know, dealt with them enough times, you just knew that that's what was going to happen. Now, sometimes if OSHA's got a pattern, a history, they'll get what's called an anticipatory warrant where mm-hmm. they – Say, look, we've got a pattern here. We go to the judge and say, this is our reasoning. This is our reason to be here. They came up on this program list, targeted this industry. You know, they weren't singled out, blah, blah, blah. But then they also, like, the past three times we've been there, we've had to get a warrant. So, and then usually a judge will sign an anticipatory warrant. Mm-hmm. And, and then they have to let you on site. They can't, they can't deny you entry when you have the warrant, you know. Well, they can, but it doesn't go well after that. The magistrate doesn't like his warrant to be torn up or right. ignored. I mean, you you run the risk of, you know, being, really being, in, being in contempt, which yes. is an area you don't mm-hmm. want to be. Yeah, that and changes everything. And then if the judge is so inclined, then, okay, OSHA comes back. That judge, you know, because OSHA always has to do a return of service on the warrant, show that they served it, and they go to do the return of service. And say, well, judge, they, I showed them the warrant with your signature, and they didn't let me on. And judge would be like, really? Okay, I don't like that. I'm sending the U.S. Marshals out mm-hmm. there with you. We had that occasion in Omaha. I think Seth Burmeister went out to make an inspection, uh, was denied entry onto the site, and Returned with a warrant. The warrant was denied. Yeah. And uh, it caused quite a stir, man. I mean, everybody's like, what? They denied the warrant? And so, I mean, it didn't, you know, our response wasn't immediate. We had to call in the region and the solicitor's office. And finally, they agreed to return, you know, serve the warrant again with the marshal service. Yeah. And I think they handcuffed the dude, basically, and walked him around on the inspection in cuffs, you know, which was... Very unusual, yeah. you know. It was a pretty ballsy move to deny the warrant. Well, but. Yeah, I mean, and most of what OSHA does is administrative law, you know. But when you start getting into making false statements uh, and denying warrants, that's where you start to move into the realm of criminal law. So mm-hmm. it's <laughs> yeah, it's never yeah. never wise. But agreed. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've spoken to a number of attorneys. I've heard a number of labor law attorneys speak. There are occasions where it may be appropriate to request a warrant. Um, I think most companies now are trying to be cooperative. They want to yes. demonstrate yes. a cooperative attitude, so they typically <coughs> they typically allow the inspection to, to be conducted, which is appropriate. I would agree with that strategy, frankly. But, you know, in the event, I mean, I remember hearing one attorney comment that in the event that um, you don't have your key personnel available. Maybe That's your plant true. manager, maybe your safety That's persons true. are not present. It might be best to, you know, even just to request, could we do this another time? Yeah. Rather than just come straight out and say, get off my property, maybe you just take it slightly different. You know, when, you know, we I don't have our key personnel available. They will be back tomorrow or I can have them back tomorrow. Could we do it tomorrow? Yeah. Something like that maybe. Yeah, and, and yep, and that, that that was always with with OSHA. I was always told, well, you know, if they make you wait more than an hour, you got to tell them it's a denial of entry. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, but you do bring up a good point. It OSHA doesn't like it when you do that, but it is your right if you do not have your key personnel there, and this is something very critical, you know. And it's like, can it really wait till tomorrow? And if OSHA says no, you know, often. And I was put in the situation a, cu- a time or two as a compliance officer, and I'd, I'd tell my 
uh, you know, called the assistant area director. Hey, they're not going to let me on site today. You know, they said that, as they said that uh, the safety guy is like in California. He's trying to get a plane back to Kansas now to be here. Um, and it, it was kind of like, well, you go and get the warrant. It's going to take more time to get the warrant than if the safety guy just comes back tomorrow and go back tomorrow. Like, mm-hmm. tell them you don't like this, but you'll be back tomorrow. Right, <laughs> or, right. Or sometimes they use. Sometimes what OSHA might do, it's like, okay, well, you're you're not you're not going to be back tomorrow, or you're going to be back tomorrow, but we, but you're denying me entry today. So the OSHA compliance officer might elect then say, okay, well, we're going to go. I'm going to go talk to my air director, and we may get a, a warrant and come back unannounced. And then that compliance officer just might come back the very next day. <laughs> right. Because you said you'd be there, it'd be okay to do it the next day. So the OSHA may not agree to say, okay, because that's almost like giving advance notice of mm-hmm. inspection. So the compliance Absolutely. officer may not agree, yes, I will come back tomorrow at 10 a.m. They may just say, well, I will talk to my area director, and we'll see if we need to get an anticipatory war- or a warrant at this point. And they may just show up at that time that you said you'd be available without coordinating mm-hmm. it. So they're – You know, it's I, interesting – um, I totally agree with that, man. And um, but I did have the occasion where they were, you know, we are unprepared to host you this yes. afternoon, <laughs> and so they would ask if you could come back the next day. We, you know, the compliance officer doesn't have the authority to make that decision. They've been denied at that point. So yeah. I would call the assistant area director. My, my my AAD was Bonita Winningham, and she would, you know, I, you know, if I was out on the road or something, she might say, "Okay, spend the night, go back tomorrow," if that's what they're yeah. agreeing to. And I did that up in. South Sioux City one time at, at a place that shall rename, remain nameless, but the foundry up there. Okay. And so they um, basically, they had something going on. Like they had a switch gear problem. There was something really chaotic going on in the facility. And so they asked me if I could come back the next day. And it was afternoon by the time I got there and opened. And so I called Bonita and she said, okay, yeah, spend the night, go back the next day. They agreed to that. Like you said, don't, don't make it seem like we're interested in that, but we will agree to that. Yeah. And so and the next day I came back, parking lot was empty. There was no <laughs> one at the plant. And I was oh, like, man. oh, shit. I couldn't believe it. And so, you know, I went to the door. I'm banging on the door. No cars in the lot. And, you know, the plant manager or whomever came to the door and explained to me that they were down. They were not operating because mm-hmm. of this switchgear issue. So... You know, but I thought they were screwing with me, man. It, it appeared like they were screwing with me, but yeah, they, well, I don't. I don't think they were. I think it just worked. You lose out. your main switch gear, you can't run your your electric arc furnace. At exactly. Foundry, so. Exactly. But that is interesting, and so, you know, I mean, people need to be aware of their rights. They need to understand that. Yeah. Um, what about so, if you, if you deny entry. And I, I'm asking because I'm not quite sure about this. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have a better understanding of this. But so if I deny OSHA entry and they come back with a warrant, does that expand the scope of the inspection, or will it basically be what they were there to do? I, th- I, I you know, they, I think they would have to make the argument to the judge about why why they wanted to expand. Yeah. I mean, I I would see it more of a situation. Say say OSHA was already on your site doing a partial inspection and then the compliance officer sees a plain view hazard or gets some information that say, Hey, Hey, I need to look at this process over here. That wasn't part of the original scope. And if that, that that's another area where the employer could say, no, you know, you told me this is a partial inspection and uh, they, they could make OSHA get a warrant at that point to, mm-hmm. to go. So sometimes OSHA might run into a situation like that where they, initially were allowed on site to do an inspection and then had a reason to expand the scope and they get denied at that point, then they can go and get a warrant. Because this can essentially happen at any point during the, 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 um, conduct of the inspection. Yeah. If you start to see, think things aren't going the way that they were originally agreed to in the opening conference, for example, they start expanding without, you know, which wasn't maybe initially discussed. So you, you could, request a warrant at that point yeah you said something okay man this one is often misunderstood not only by um employers but by osha compliance officers as well plain view hazard Mm -hmm. you want want to talk about that a little bit what that 
really means. I mean, some compliance officers that used to work for me or that I worked with just assumed that meant carte blanche to look at whatever they wanted. And that's not the case. So what what is Plainview hazard? There's got to be something that leads OSHA down a path to to this other place or other process or other hazard in the facility. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, it, it doesn't necessarily have to mean it has to be in the compliance officer view. But normally a plain view hazard, okay, I'm I'm here to look at hexavalent chromium today. And so I'm focused on this welding process. When I'm on my way walking through here, I see that there's a press break over there. Machine guarding wasn't in the original scope of my inspection. But I see this press break over there and it doesn't have a light curtain on it. And I mm-hmm. you know, see employees operating it, they're getting their hands in the point of operation. So, you know, that that kind of opens the door to look more into that hazard, mm-hmm. you know. So let me explore. That's exactly how I interpret this. And in the research that I've done, that's how it's described in the legal ramblings of, yeah. you know. So you touched on a few things there that I think are really critical to this. Um, it's not the mere presence of a piece of equipment. I'm walking from point A, where we did our opening conference, to point B, which is what I'm there to see. Maybe it's a complaint item or something. And in that, uh, in that process, I see not just a press break, but employees working on a break that, I, from where I'm standing, I can tell isn't guarded. Yeah. And they are working with it. So it's not just the mere presence of a piece of equipment. Oh, I see you've got a grinder over there. I'm going to go check that. But it's a hazard. It's someone... You know, from where I'm standing or where I have access, you know, legal authority to be, I can see that there are employees exposed to a hazard. Right. Is that how you interpret it? That's how I interpret it. You got it. Um, but then some some programs, though, like NEPs, the National Emphasis Programs, like there's one for amputation hazards that, uh, you know, throws in this whole other caveat of like, oh, if there's machine guarding issues, you notice like, Here's a whole list of other equipment to look at. So they, yeah. they kind of like snuck that in back yeah. door through another NEP of, okay, and then if you're looking at machine guard and look at lockout, tagout. So that's right. kind of yeah, expands and expands. <laughs> right. But, but yeah, like, j- like I think like you said, uh, the mere presence of, of, you know, equipment, but our employees, did the compliance officer see the employees using that equipment, mm-hmm. you know? Well, now, how about, how about now, now they, they may – they may see something, and um, you know they they may they may ask, and the employer may say, "Oh yeah, you know they they use it five times a week." You know, mm-hmm. now you've yeah. just given them knowledge about yes. it. Yeah, so. yeah, you could certainly uh, the employer could certainly misstep yeah. and so, give them access so like, to that. What about this one, for example? I'm walking through the plant. I'm on my way to look at the complaint item. I walk by. You've got a flatbed, you know, tra- truck tractor trailer waiting to be loaded. It's just sitting there in the plant, and I'm walking past it. The, the loading is not occurring, but now I'm interested in what kind of fall protection you use for, you know, loading this flatbed. Mm-hmm. Unless I see somebody on the flatbed or I observe the loading process, that's really not a plain view hazard per se, is it? Now, if I ask them, do you guys use fall protection when you're loading? Um, if they just say, fuck you, I'm not talking. <laughs> I mean, what, what, you know, I mean... It's a kind of a slippery slope here. Yeah. Well, I mean, in my opinion, uh, you know, I, I get what you're saying. Now, at this point, the compliance officer hasn't actually seen somebody on this trailer. Um, but uh, on the other hand, the compliance officer could slow roll it and decide, "Hey, I'm going to stand here until I see something going <laughs> <Right>. on." Exactly. <laughs> that does happen. That does happen. I I, I think I think. Uh, as a consultant, I think our, our friend Mikey was famous for slow rolling stuff like that. He he just stand around and look at something until yeah. the employer find. What are you looking at? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, just uh, waiting for some idiot to step up onto that trailer. Uh, and and construction was notorious for that too. I remember we had guys that used to go out um, unofficially and cherry pick construction jobs. They would drive through you know, neighborhoods under construction or whatever, which we weren't really supposed to do, or they would just stake out a job. They would just, you know, pull up across the street in a yeah. public public access area and just kind of wait till somebody did something stupid. Well, and I, I know that there was a time or two 
we're lean on numbers this week, and uh, I, you know, I'd I'd be driving to work or something. I'd see, well, hey, there's a shingle delivery truck. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where's his truck going? You know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Follow him to the uh, ultimate confrontation there. And, yeah, yeah, man. It was. I mean, it was. Hey, look. Um, I don't blame compliance officers for that. We we were under a lot of pressure. Yeah. There was a lot of pressure to get numbers as we described well and the other way to look at it too if you getting the inspections is one thing but yeah there's something else though you know yeah maybe maybe i didn't initially see the site but you know i found some information some breadcrumbs to get there and and you know the ultimate goal at at that point is if there's employees exposed to some hazards in plain view you know it, it it's really like the compliance officer has a moral obligation to address that them, themselves. You know, what what happens to me personally if I saw something and I didn't address it, and then later on somebody got hurt? Exactly. That, that I can agree. weigh heavily on somebody. I completely so. agree with that, man. Yeah, ultimately, you know, the mission is to ensure, you know, employees have a safe place to work, you know, yeah. free from recognized hazards. And so – Yes, that is our uh, the duty of a compliance officer, and so some of this stuff might sound a little distasteful or whatever. But yeah. you know, um, if there is a hazard and employees are exposed to it, it needs to be addressed in some fashion. You know, yeah. I mean, obviously there are legal steps that must be taken, and the employer has rights. But the bottom line is, as a compliance officer, like you just said, I mean, I, we just want to make sure people are safe. You know, they're working safely or have an opportunity to work safely. It is rarely personal, frankly, you know? Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, uh, you know, some of us are just lazy by nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but, but That's it's why like, we worked for the government for 25 <laughs> years. But it's like, uh, technically, you know, the more citations I find, the more work I have to do because I got to write those citations That's right. up. I got I to gotta ask more questions in the interviews. This, this inspection is going to take me longer. So, uh, you know, it, it, it really is like you said, about the mission, you know, of addressing the hazards. So, yeah, I'll bet, I'll bet you were a good compliance officer, man. Some, some, uh, well, thank you. Some, you know, some compliance officers are savvy in their ways and, and, um, you know, maybe they'll find ways to address. They've already found some significant hazards and they find some additional hazards and they'll find ways to address them without it being a citation, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it, it all comes down to, well, Boss, well, why didn't you cite this? I you had the picture. Well, I just didn't have the the knowledge there to support mm-hmm. a citation. But I I talked to him about mm-hmm. it. You know, so yeah, yeah. Boss isn't always happy about that. Well, you know, I've got. Well, you need to go back and inter- interview him again, or uh, you know, I know. But sometimes they just let it go. Okay, well, you know, just document that you address the hazard with them. You know, explaining your narrative that well, this wasn't a citation. We addressed this hazard, mm-hmm, but we discussed these issues. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I can remember one time Darwin and I were doing a job. It was a complaint out in the middle of nowhere. And they had a real nice guy. The owner of the company, sweet guy, had a nice little business going, about 20 employees, metal fabrication kind of mm-hmm. outfit, as, as there oftentimes are. And we had so many citations, each of us. I'm doing the health. <coughs> Darwin's doing the safety and we're walking through like one area of the shop to the next and just more and more and more stuff. And we're writing it down. And he and I are both kind of looking at each other like, oh, this is not good, you know. And again, the guy was real sweet. He was, you know, very uh, cooperative. Yeah. And we got, we didn't even finish. We were just like, well, I think we've seen enough. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just was like, oh, my God, we're going to destroy this poor bastard, you know. Yeah. So I looked at Darwin. He kind of agreed. And we just said, well. You know, I know we've got like 12 more rooms, but, you know, we're, I think we'll cover a lot of stuff in our little description here. You know, we'll have a lot for you to work on. I was just like, oh, my God. I mean, we should have finished. Were, were you, you know? able to, after the process was done, were you able to steer them towards state consultation? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, they <laughs> I, were. I always tell those folks, it's like, look, um, you know, I, this is what I looked at today, but you might have some other issues. So mm-hmm. I would encourage you to contact state consultation. Exactly. Get them out here to, to help you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that's a great note to end on, particularly for small contractors. You know, Jim Cover, our buddy down at the Nebraska Department of Labor on-site consultation group, he and his guys and gals are 
really a valuable resource. And if you have not, if you are eligible to use them and you have not, I, I, I think you should consider doing that because, you know, getting them through before an OSHA inspector might show up will probably eliminate uh, a number of those potential citations, man. And they're pretty thorough. They don't have the same legal burden mm-hmm. to establish a violation like OSHA does. And so they, they basically write up just about everything. You know, little things, bigger things, what have you. OSHA, they might, you know, give you some of those little things. Or as you mentioned, if they can't establish exposure or they can't establish knowledge, they're not really legally able to issue citations for everything. So consultation is a very thorough assessment typically, and that can help. Any, any parting thoughts? What do you got going on this weekend, man? Anything of interest? Working on the house? Uh, well, have a wedding anniversary coming up. So. Oh. <laughs> oh, so you're shopping? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Probably should be. <laughs> yeah, right after this. Well, take the money that you're going to make from this and go out and buy <laughs> your, your wife something really nice. There you go. Yeah. All right, man. I think it's time for us to wrap up. If we have a little technical difficulty, it's because the, these jackballs out there working on the road just cut the power. Uh, Cam is doing the best he can. And I, I really had a like, little bit of a brain issue when we started this. So he'll do the best he can to edit it. Uh, forgive us for any uh, missteps or misspeaking or whatever the case might be. Um, this was good, man. Yeah. I mean, there is just so much to talk about. I always enjoy talking about some of these things, particularly with someone. You, know, you and I did not work together in the field. You were in Wichita when I was in Omaha, mm-hmm. and then I was out of the field, yep. out of Omaha by the time that you arrived in Omaha. But I get the impression that you were a good compliance officer, man, and uh, I appreciate that because, you know, some of the knuckleheads um, didn't always get it right, in my opinion. Sure. You know? So it's good to know that there are good compliance and there are good compliance officers out there. So um, I hope everybody has a good weekend and have a good week next week. Um, be safe, keep your people safe. That's really all that matters in all of this stuff. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Later. Hoda Media Production.